Welcome to Humane Voices. Carrie and Austin here for another episode. Today, our special guest on the show is Vice President of the Wildlife Department for Humane Society International, Dr. Teresa Telecki. Teresa, thank you so much for being on the show. It's very timely that you are here. Our topic for today is the coronavirus. Uh, it's been all over the news, affecting travel. I mean, I've been following along, but this cruise liner, oh, the my Diamond God, Princess, right. yep. everybody yep. The is cruise captain. liner of puking death. Right. Yeah, it's not good. Jeez, yeah. it's it's absolutely terrible. And, and so we just thought it was so fitting um, to have you on the show, to hear your take about what's going on, to um, help us understand where we're coming from, to maybe quell some fears and, and hype, uh, overhyping of, of what this um, virus is doing. So, Teresa, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm hoping she scares us more. Yeah, I maybe. like to be scared, could, and so I'm hoping she be. really freaks us out. Like, come on, bring on the freak out. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> we're all well, going to die. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Um, so, Teresa, what is what is your take on the issue so far now that it has been declared um, an international public health emergency, uh, the coronavirus that has, um, the virus is saying to have originated in a wholesale seafood market? Right. So, um, unfortunately, uh, humans are coming into contact with wildlife more and more uh, in this world as our populations, human populations, increase and as wildlife uh, areas get infiltrated with humans, you know, and um, this close contact between wild animals and humans is increasing the opportunities for viruses like the coronavirus that we're dealing with right now, which, by the way, has a new name today oh. uh, given by the World Health Organization. COVID uh, COVID, right? COVID-19, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right, because it began in late 2019. COVID-19 uh, is not a really great name. I mean, I like it. I have a problem like with it. names generally, and I just, I want it to be named like Steve or something like that. Really? Right. Yeah. I mean, COVID-19. What COVID about sounds COVID like a car. And, you it, know, it's it like, does, I'm right? going to get into my COVID-19 and right. I'm going to drive It totally does, right. Fast. So you, but you don't want to get into this COVID. So Some, that's no, why I'm that's true. Yep. That Somehow is true. Somehow the World Health Organization it's made a very bland you know, makeup of coronavirus. Now it's right. COVID-19. They should have so. named it something anyway. slimy. Well, you see, here's awkward. the thing. The, the virus specialists, the virologists, had mm. a much, much longer name. And mm. people were complaining, you know, because it was not catchy. Mm. 19 syllables or something. Get it? Yeah. Catchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so the World Health Organization thought they were being really clever by coming up with this, you know, because it does make it easier for people to talk about it. Right. You know, and saying coronavirus, coronavirus, you oh, know, totally, is also, yeah. you know, it's a little bit mind blowing. Yeah. And people are like, wait, is that related to Corona beer? And does that mean I can't drink Corona oh, beer? Where's my lime? Yeah, yeah. No, but it takes that's up a... half your Twitter space if you're going to tweet out the term coronavirus. Right. Yep. Exactly. right, right. So now we've got COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Chevy will probably do the car thing because they did the Nova, right? Yeah, the see, Chevy Nova. That'll be the Chevy that? COVID. Nova 19, COVID-19, see? So do we know the status uh, on, on the virus last I heard? I, I mean, almost 1,100 or, t- or almost 1,200 people have, have died from the virus as right, well? Right, right. Definitely over 1,000, over okay. 1,100. I think today's total was 1,116. Okay. But most of those are in China. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important thing that people need to remember is that uh, the number of deaths outside of China is very, very small. I, we're talking about two 
Okay. Okay. One in Japan yep. and one in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the virus has infected, uh, it is believed by the WHO uh, that it's infected about 50,000 people so far. Um, obviously, it's being transmitted human to human at this point. Mm-hmm. The animal uh, origin of it is no longer um, operative at this point, as far as anybody is aware. It already jumped into humans, mm-hmm. and it's being uh, transmitted just person to person. But most of the cases so far have been directly related to this place in China where the wet market was, Wuhan. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what we're hearing in the reports, so the Chinese government, in response to um, this initial spread of the disease had taken the initiative to temporarily close down um, the these markets. And the key word here is temporarily, because my question for you is, is it only a matter of time until they open up these markets again? And will this cycle just continue for for the next COVID 2020 or 2021, whatever virus we see next? Well, you know, unfortunately, you know, the idea of a temporary closure is something that China has done before with the SARS epidemic, which uh, also started in a a wildlife market in China about 18 years ago. Um, After that subsided, the Chinese government allowed those markets to reopen. Um, And so we're very concerned that the same pattern will emerge here. And so far as we're aware at this point in time, that ban that is in place now is only temporary. Can you talk a little bit about like, just so for for the many, many people, I would assume most of our listeners who have never visited a wildlife market in China, can you talk a little bit about like what they're like? Like what what are you likely to see there? And what is it that makes them a potential place where something like this can, can happen and can start transferring? Well, uh, yeah, wildlife markets are not a place that anyone who loves animals should ever, ever go. Mm -hmm. Because once you go, it's burned into your brain, and you can never erase it. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely horrible. Um, I've been to one. You couldn't make me go back to another one. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got uh, animals, both domestic and wild, fish, as well as terrestrial animals, you know. Uh, in the most horrendous conditions, shoved into small cages, and you know, there's defecate. They've been defecating everywhere, of course, and and throwing up. Mm-hmm. And there's blood because the animals are being slaughtered right there on in the site. market, on site, uh, yep. right in front of everybody who's passing by. It's like a carnival um, of pathogens. It sounds just delightful. This is a petri yeah. dish for yeah, sure. Totally. Yeah, it's only a matter of time then. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It is uh, unfortunately culturally accepted um, in China to for, to have these markets and to purchase wildlife and mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's the biggest thing we have to fight against is um, and, and how to do that in a culturally sensitive way. Of course, you know uh, people's desire to consume wildlife and to to buy it in the form, you know, in these kinds of market settings. Right. Surprisingly, after SARS, you would have thought that there would have been a decline, you know, in the number of these markets, in the number of people. And we didn't see that. No, we did not. Oh, that's really and, interesting. And we also mm-hmm. didn't see people, um, The excuse me, let me just back up for a minute. The animal that um, the SARS virus was associated with, the animal that that was the the immediate infecting animal mm-hmm. of the human uh, was a, something called a civet, which is like a weasel kind yep. of animal. Um, and you would have thought that people would have stopped eating 
civets mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. Uh, but no, they were actually on sale in this Wuhan market wow. before it was closed down. So, yeah, yeah. The, the part, the point you make about cultural sensitivity is such an important one, I feel like, because, you know, even though there are differences perhaps in some of the species involved here in terms of what's actually being practiced and how the animals are treated, it's, it's not terrifically different than what you would see in an American factory farm, correct? I mean, like, if we're talking about animal suffering, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, transcends all cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and of course, it's not a competition to see, who can do this worse? Which is more cruel, right? Which can be more cruel, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So it's, you know, I wouldn't want to compare it in that way, but, um, you know, cult- people everywhere do cruel things. Right, right. You know, I mean, another campaign I work on is trophy hunting. And most trophy hunters are Americans. Mm-hmm. Not to get off topic too right. much here. But the point is that every culture everywhere has things that they do to animals that are incredibly cruel. You know, I don't think people should be so um, judgmental about other people's cultures. And, and we need to approach this in a very rational way. Yeah. People who are, you know, experts on this and, and of course, people in China itself, mm-hmm. you know, need to take up the banner, right. you know, on this, not, not people from outside. Right. Culturally, was it that it's mired in, in health benefits potentially for um, consuming these animals? Like, what is, what is actually, is it just the traditional culture that live markets were an establishment in these countries, or was it more of a, of a history of, you know, health benefits and, and other types of things? It's a wide variety of wild animals that are sold at these markets. So some of it is simply because people like to eat them. They taste good. Okay. Um, and other animals, it, it involves, um, you know, beliefs that if you drink the blood of this animal, you know, it's going to help you in some way mm-hmm. um and uh you know also domesticated animals were are, are for sale at these markets as well as well as fish and you know so the reasons why these markets are there and the reasons that people go to them uh i think are probably very varied mm-hmm. right right uh and and the fear has gotten to a point for some where we've seen this issue of pet a- abandonment um, in, in areas around China as well. Can we talk a little bit more about what's happening there? Yes, sure. Um, so I think, uh, you know, uh, I think people become afraid. <clears throat> they hear that the virus originated in animals, and then they become afraid of animals, uh. Uh, including their own, you know, pet animals. And there's absolutely no evidence that um, that this coronavirus originated with pet animals. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just really common sense. You know, if you if you're interacting with animals that that you don't know or even your pets sometimes wash your hands, mm-hmm. you know, after I think that's really the most important message rather than people being fearful. Mm-hmm. Just use common sense methods, Basic you know, hygiene. Mm-hmm. wash your hands with soap and water, you know, use the alcohol based uh, hand sanitizers, stay away from sick people. Mm-hmm. And if you do interact with animals, it's always a good idea to wash your hands afterwards, especially if it's an, an animal that is not your own. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe for some further context, too, you know, I was joking earlier about how I like to be scared, but I, I do think that maybe it's worth contextualizing this in the broader uh, broader context of, you know, how many people that this this disease has sickened or, or killed compared to just our regular old flu, um, that people are out there sort of resisting flu shots and all sorts of stuff because they don't want to have a mild little headache for a couple hours, and in fact, it's actually much more serious here. If yeah. you're going to be afraid of something, 
Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I, I think that because this is new, mm-hmm. you know, right. I think we don't understand it. We yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there's a natural fear, you know, that people have. But in fact, in the flu season so far this year uh, that started in October, that is uh, 12,000 people have died just here in the United States. Yeah. And uh, the experts expect that to get up to possibly 30,000, mm-hmm. you know, compared that number to the number of people that have died most of the people that have died in China, and you're looking at, you know, around 1,100 or so, mm-hmm. so far, um, you know, so it's a, it's an order of magnitude difference, that's for sure. And, totally. you know, so far, very few people here in the U.S. have, um, have contracted uh, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't think people have much to worry about, but everybody should be taking basic precautions, Mm -hmm. as we just discussed. Teresa, what is your team uh, currently working on? What would you like to urge our listeners here to know? Well, a couple of things. Number one is um, uh, we have reached out to the government of China, along with a a large number of other organizations around the world, world to urge them to keep those markets closed. Um, Closing the markets is not going to be a 100% guarantee that we won't see something like this again, but it does reduce the risk mm-hmm. uh, substantially. And so, you know, we have we have uh, taken that action. And then on the ground in China, we actually uh, have people who um, are helping people who have had to abandon their animals because they had to leave their homes. Mm. Uh, so our staff on the ground in China are going in and feeding those animals, uh, you know, and, um, you know, helping out in that way. So wow, those are the really things that, you know, we're think about on. the sort of disaster component of this. Yeah. This is basically yes. a moving, a moving disaster. Yes, exactly. Although I don't know if I'd call it a natural one exactly. I guess it's sort it of a natural, natural one, it but it's natural. like a kind of natural slash man-made one in some ways with the markets and the sourcing of it. Well, you know, viruses are very interesting mm-hmm. things. Yeah. They're not animals or plants. Right. But they're very good at what they do. Yeah. You know, and once they one it's like invasion of the body snatchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly. It's yep, the, totally. the coolest thing to to, you know, to read about how these viruses do what they do. I mean they basically get in to the body through a wound or mm-hmm. through the nose or mouth or eyes. And uh, once they get in there, they can latch on to a cell yep. in your body, and then they take over the basically take over the DNA machinery of that mm-hmm. cell, and they cause the cell to start replicating yeah. more of itself. Mm-hmm. And then that gets into, of course, people's respiratory system, and then they sneeze or whatever, and that's how it gets transmitted to the next person. And you know. I don't want to say they're smart. I mean, they don't have brains, these viruses. But they're efficient. They're effective. Very, yep. very yep. effective. Mm-hmm. This is what evolution has done. And they've been around, you know, I mean, it's a really interesting field of study, actually. Mm. There are people who look at uh, paleovirology. Mm. is a mm-hmm. study of ancient viruses. And uh, it's very interesting. I feel like I was reading something about a paleovirology thing related to the fact that things are now unfreezing that have been frozen in tundra for hundreds of thousands of years and now are possibly reawakening. So we have that to look forward to, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Warming yeah. up, getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Teresa, we, we seem to be repeating ourselves in history, um, is this coronavirus issue that we're facing now a case study for larger issues that we should be looking at or have been looking at um, in regards to communicable diseases 
from uh, that originate in animal uh, environments. Yes, well, certainly in recent history, we're seeing a lot more of these kind of diseases appearing. We call those zoonoses, zo like zoo, gnosis. And um, so these are diseases that originate in animals and then are transferred to humans. And of course, there have been three coronavirus type outbreaks just in the last 20 years. There was the SARS outbreak 18 years ago that started in a wildlife market in China. Um, and then uh, in 2012, there was one called MERS, the Middle mm-hmm. East Respiratory mm-hmm. Syndrome, mm-hmm. Uh, that started in Saudi Arabia and was related to camels um, and consumption of camel uh, meat and milk and also the husbandry of camels. Um, and so, you know, we're starting to see more and more of these. Um, it could just be that we're getting better at detecting them. But also the human population is growing, and as we spoke about earlier, coming into more and more contact with wildlife, and that's that's an issue. Um, so those are the recent coronaviruses. Um, there have been other viruses that are not related to coronaviruses, um, like, for example, Ebola, which is an ongoing mm-hmm. crisis um, in many parts of the world. Um, and, um, of course, HIV even originated uh, in, people believe, in the consumption of chimpanzees. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, I think my bottom line is don't eat wild animals. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, I mean, and there are tons of examples also of just regular old uh, standard American eaten animals that cause health crises, too. And I think that that's one of the things that I always think about is, you know, it's not just, you know, the, the, quote, exotic animals that we can we can get out of a wildlife market, but there's all sorts of health health stuff that starts. And, the mad cows yeah. in the world yeah. and all those and things, the, sure. Oh, God, like salmonella. And yeah, all salmonella, of, yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? It all gets down to wash your hands. Yes. I'm, I'm going exactly. to be, I'm going to be your mother here. Let's I'm going to say, kids, wash your, wash hands, your hands with yep. soap and water mm-hmm. before you come to the dinner table. Sing yep. happy birthday twice. Yep. What do they say? <laughs> what do you have to do? Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. Just sing happy birthday to yourself. After you wash your After hands. After you wash your hands. <laughs> you have to, you, you sing happy birthday while you wash your hands. Oh, okay. I was to- like. I do not know this reference at celebrate, all. Celebrate, <laughs> celebrate yeah. that you washed your hands and yeah, sing. That's no, it. okay. <laughs> no. Oh, While it. you're washing okay. your hands, sing "Happy Birthday" twice, and you will uh, get rid of all the. Nasties. Do you have to sing it out loud? Because I feel like people at work will look at me really weird if they catch me in the bathroom singing See, Carrie, "Happy Birthday" to myself. People already look at me really weird, so I don't <laughs> care. Maybe for also. you, if you want to yeah, save your face, no, you yeah. can. My but. reputation can't be destroyed further. <laughs> Dr. Teresa Teleki, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Uh, we've learned a lot, and uh, we we will stay abreast of any new information that comes out. And uh, you know, we are we're only in the the second week of February, but when this airs, I'm sure that we will have more information and more news as it comes up. Uh, so, thank you very much for keeping us updated up to the minute. All right, my pleasure. That's all we have for today's show. Be sure to follow HSUS and HSI on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the website humanesociety.org for the latest info. You can also message podcast at humanesociety.org and send us your reactions, questions you have, and topics that you want to hear for our next episode. See you next time on Humane Voices. And don't forget to wipe down your phone with antibacterial wipes. 